Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world, and we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And today, we're broadcasting from beautiful Los Angeles. Now, millennials, they're almost single-handedly destroying traditional retail because they don't give a damn about owning anything. And I must admit, at my stage of life, I think it is a damn good idea. I grew up thinking that I had to own a home, preferably two, and collect all sorts of great furniture, artworks, and so on. Not anymore. I'm absolutely convinced that owning property is a mugs game. And, uh, you know, you, you shell out, you shell out, you shell out, and uh, at the end of the day, sure, you've got a nice place to live in, but it's a noose around your neck, isn't it? You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. And um, it's always costing you money. Whereas if you save that money, you could do a hell of a lot more with it. And the tendency of millennials to rent instead of buy is turning the retail industry upside down. Millennials place much less emphasis on owning and much more on sharing, bartering and trading to access the goods that they want. And that makes a lot of sense. Now, this has propelled businesses like um, car rental service, Zipcar, taxi service, Uber, home rental site, Airbnb. And now the trend is extending into clothing. Apparel retailers are threatened by retail start- rental startups like Rent the Runway and Bag, Borrow or Steal. So, and renting's also spread to the music and hospitality industries with companies like Spotify and, as I mentioned before, Airbnb. I mean, why the hell would you buy a second home when you can rent a chateau in France on Airbnb for 200 bucks a night this week? And then one in Italy for 200 bucks a night next week. Why hire a chauffeur when they don't come with an app that tracks their relative location to yours, like Uber does? Even owning the latest album of your favourite band feels a lot less appealing when you can stream it immediately on and offline with a Spotify Pro membership without taking up any space whatsoever on your hard drive. You know, Rent the Runways even started an unlimited subscription service for accessories and handbags. The reality is the traditional retailers didn't see this trend coming and they've missed an opportunity to accommodate millennial tastes. And it's not only millennials. I mean, I often look at the um, economics of owning a car against taking Uber. And Uber wins hands down. Why would you buy a car and put 50,000 bucks or whatever into an asset that just continually loses your money when you can get across town in Uber for 20 bucks. So the younger generation is increasingly looking for less expensive alternatives to ownership. You know, millennials, they're 18 to 34-year-olds, are increasingly living in smaller urban apartments rather than sprawling suburban houses. As a result, they don't have much room for as many goods 
and they've got a discriminating taste as a result of exposure to online reviews and all of the options. So there's no question that sharing is here to stay. Outdoor clothing company Patagonia has created an online marketplace where customers can resell the brand's items. Sales increased 16% after they introduced that. And that's a sure sign that customers believe that their clothes are good value. Personally, I think it's an absolutely fantastic trend and I am all for it. Now, every year at this same time, we talk about the eight most valuable brands in the world. And this year, there are a couple of surprises. The first surprise, at least from my perspective, is that Google isn't number one anymore. After being demoted to the number two spot last year, Apple has won back its title as the world's most valuable brand, according to the annual brand's rating. Google briefly claimed the most valuable brand title last year, interrupting Apple's three-year run, but Apple's brand value boomed this year, up 67%, hitting $247 billion. Jeez. Google's brand value, meanwhile, climbed 9% to $174 billion over the same period, making it the second most valuable brand this year. Microsoft's in third spot with a brand value of $116 billion. Now, while that's up 28%, Apple is now worth more than double Microsoft. Who would have thought it? That old stalwart IBM, whose death has been predicted for about 20 years, comes in fourth with a brand value of $94 billion, which is a slump of 13%, which... I fear we'll probably continue. In the fifth slot is Visa, marginally behind IBM, and will no doubt surpass it next year. The sixth slot's occupied by AT&T. Right on their tail is Verizon at $86 billion, only $3 billion left after a huge increase in value of 36% in the last year, and just sneaking in to last position in the mo- of the eight in the most valuable brands in the world is Coca-Cola. I remember when Coca-Cola was the most valuable brand in the world, and now they're struggling to be number eight. Now, few could argue that Apple's performance in the last 12 months has been absolutely extraordinary, and the fact that they're worth more than $70 billion, more than the nearest competitor, is testament to the fantastic company that they are. Now, this program's all about entrepreneurs, And I often get asked the question about whether there's an age where it's too old to become an entrepreneur. I've always said no, instinctively, without having anything really to back me up. This week, the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation reported that people aged 55 to 64 comprised the highest rate of entrepreneurship over the last decade. That is fantastic. There's no greater satisfaction than becoming a successful entrepreneur, creating your own business, being your own boss. So if you're over 60 and considering starting a business, get out there and get amongst it. You'll be really glad you did. Well, if you're successful, you'll be glad you did. (laughs) If you're not successful, you think it's the worst bloody decision you've ever made. However, the idea of opening a business at an age when most people are winding down probably feels a bit daunting. 
you're probably asking yourself questions like, can I do this by myself at my age? Am I a bit too out of touch? What sort of effect will this have on my family at my age? And they're just some of the questions you should ask yourself. So let's, let's look at some of those. The first question is, will I be able to find the support that I might need? And I know, although entrepreneurship has all the perks of independence, it's never a journey that you should ever take alone. I'm always saying that you need to surround yourself with mentors, people that have been there and done that and have been successful. You also need to get out there and network as much as you possibly can. You can begin with the local chamber of commerce. They have regular events and and you've got a whole bunch of people that are in the same position. It's a great place to learn. Franchising is another excellent way to pursue business ownership because it requires lower startup um, monies, really, and you've got a lot of other people doing the testing and doing the proving and, and establishing the brand for you, and you don't have to do it. And the entry price is usually, well, there's a lot of franchises you can get in for about 200 grand. So... It's a bit like being in business for yourself, but not being in business for yourself. So um, go to the conventions, talk to other franchisees, do all, do all that so that you get a much better understanding of what your business is about. Now, the second question that you probably ask yourself is, will the time and the effort that I have to put into this new business, will that, how will that affect my personal relationships? After all, I'm... I'm um, just getting to a stage where, you know, my kids are off my hands. Um, I'm probably an empty nester, but I want to develop good relationships with my kids. My kids are going to have kids. You know, just how much time am I going to have to give to this? Well, opening a business requires a hell of a lot of work, a lot of energy, and a lot of dedication, and a lot of long hours and a lot of time away from the family. You know, I've been in business myself for over 30 years and I still walk, work around 12 hours a day, six days a week. And, you know, I'm successful. So if you're just starting, you need to bloody well work hard. Hopefully, as the business matures and you get more successfully successful, you can sort of pull back a bit. But the greatest benefit to being an entrepreneur is determining your own patient schedule and financial independence. To me, the uh, positive rewards of business far outweigh any costs, although often at three o'clock in the morning when I'm lying awake worrying about something, I'm not quite so sure. The third question you might ask yourself is, how do you determine if your business will be a success? Well, only one in 20 is a success. So 19 other people thought their business was going to be a success, but um, it bit them in the arse. So it's critical to extensively research your catchment area. Find out, you know, what sort of a a prospective customer base do I have? Because that's really important. And you've got to work out, you know, potential locations. What are the traffic patterns? What are the competition? You know, often you'll find that there's uh, locations that look like a great location, but you'll find that there's road closures or there's a freeway going past or there's some reason why it's not such a good spot as you might think. And if you're selling toys, you don't want to go into an area that's full of retirement homes. So you've just got to be careful that you 
go in the right area. You also should look at the industry that you're about to go into and and what is its long-term sustainability and growth. You know, um, for example, a lot of people went out and bought blockbuster stores when it was obvious to people in the industry that companies like Netflix were going to absolutely blitz them. So people are sitting there thinking, oh, I might buy a blockbuster store. That's good. Well, they're screwed. They're all out of business. They're all broke. They lost every dime they put in. So you've got to look at that carefully. And the fourth question I guess you'll ask yourself is, um, how will you manage the demands of the new business? So you need to establish a professional and capable team. If you're in a retail store, maybe it's only two people that you need. But make sure you get two really good people so that you can take a couple of days off or you can do whatever and you know they're not going to touch the till. You know they're going to do everything they can to make the business work. You need to be able to delegate responsibilities with confidence. So doing your research, surrounding yourself with a strong network, learning about opportunities in your market and exploring different industries will help reduce your hesitations and let you pursue your dreams of entrepreneurship and independence. So no matter whether you're seven or 77, there's no time like the present to become an entrepreneur. Now, you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show Worldwide and Voice America Business. Lucky you. We're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you have a question about any aspect of business, it doesn't matter whether it's IP, whether it's taxation, about doesn't matter what it is, marketing, financial, doesn't matter, social media, please don't hesitate to email, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer you either on air or we'll email you directly to your personal number. Make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which is sent out to 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries the first week of every month, which is now. We received a great response from the main newsletter, so make sure you get June's. We've also had a lot of requests to send out the summary of each week's radio program, which we've been doing now for about four or five weeks. We've had great feedback to that, so thank you. Really appreciate it. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I'm one of those people who uses social media. However, I'm always amazed when I read things like somebody's got a million followers or they generated $2 million. And I sit there and think, how the hell do they do that? Then a few weeks ago, I saw a guy named Gavin McGarry from a company called Jumpwire give a presentation at Metal in Los Angeles, which I belong to, which is the greatest organization on the planet. And I suddenly understood just how much planning and strategy it took to get those great results. So I went up to Gavin after his presentation and um, invited him to be on the show. And Jumpwire was selected by Fast Company as one of the 10 most innovative companies in media, joining the likes of the Huffington Post and Twitter. So I'm very pleased to have Gavin McGarry from Jumpwire Media here to talk about how to build a social media presence for your company. Brilliantly interesting, and uh, they're worth every penny. I'll be back with Gavin in just a moment.
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. This is where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting and successful business people. We look at the services they provide and what makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and we all need all the help we can get. And that's why I'm always recommending that no matter what business you're in, you get mentors. Get yourself some mentors. People have been out there and have done it and have been successful and you'll cut a lot of corners and will save you from a lot of grief and heart-wrenching mistakes. And it's also important to listen to people that um, we interview and to read books so that you can get a much better idea of how people address the challenges that they faced in their businesses. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who uses social media. However, I'm always amazed at the extraordinary results that some people get. You hear about people who generate millions of followers and generate millions of dollars. And I, for one, would love to know how they do it. Then a few weeks ago, I saw Gavin McGarry give a presentation at Metal, which is an organisation I belong to in LA, which is just phenomenal. And I was really blown away. All of a sudden, I, I got a grasp of just how much planning and strategy it takes to get those great results. And immediately after the show, after the presentation, I invited Gavin to be on the show. Now, before founding social media, before founding social media agency Jumpwire Media in 2009, Gavin worked for Skype-funded web video startup Juice, and was the head of cross-platform business development at global media company Endemol. Now, Jumpwire was selected by Fast Company as one of the 10 most innovative companies in media, joining the likes of the Huffington Post, which I don't miss ever, and Twitter. They've developed extraordinary results in social media strategies that develop brand equity and generate revenue. The company's built over 30 social media ecosystems for many of the largest media companies in the world, and they've got a list of clients that reads like a who's who. Now, Gavin's been working in the media space for over 25 years. He's lived in Japan, Africa, and Europe. 
learning and understanding the global digital space. He speaks at media industry conferences around the world, such as MIPCOM, International Institute of Communications, Harvard Business Club, etc. So I'm very pleased to have Gavin McGarry from Jumpwire Media here to talk about how to build a social media presence for your company. Hi, Gavin. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. I was um, I learned a hell of a lot during your presentation at Metal, and uh, I must admit that I suddenly realised where why the odd tweet <laughs> and the odd Facebook post doesn't have money flooding in the door. Um, <laughs> now, entrepreneurs are constantly being told what a wonderful vehicle social media is for developing business and for customer service and research, etc. But like any media, it seems to be pretty difficult to master. Um, now, entrepreneurs all lack time and they're all really mm-hmm. focused on their business. So why should they even bother with social media? Is it just a distraction that's not going to move the company forward? Or is it a case where you really do need to go to somebody like Jumpwire or a professional organization to do your social media for you? Well, you know, I think the most important thing is to set your objectives. So this is what the number one sort of failure that we find is that many people don't really understand social media and they've learned social media through their personal sort of escapades. Let's just say like they have a Facebook profile, they have a Twitter account, they may use Instagram and they use it all personally. Now the difference between social media for personal and social media for professional are two totally different things. Number one, many people use social media for marketing and at Jumpwire, this is not necessarily true across everyone. I'm just telling you what Jumpwire's philosophies are and what our um, um, sort of play of the land is like what we believe in. And what we believe in is social media is not for marketing. Social media is for community building. So the first thing to think about is that Think about fans, like who are going to be the fans of your business? Who are the people that are really, really going to want to be buying something from you and what are you offering them? That's number one. Um, And then number two is, is ensuring that you have um, a really good presence, right? So the, the, the basic things that we tell people is that, you know, focus on LinkedIn first for you yourself as an entrepreneur. LinkedIn is really growing quickly. Um, it's extremely, uh, it, it's a great platform for, for really engaging with people and being able to determine whether or not something is working. And it's a great way, you spoke about mentorship. It's a great way to get and find mentors, but also to determine whether or not people really um, are engaged with your business. And the reason why I say this is, is it's sort of, you know, it, it's sort of twofold. One is that when you reach out or you ask questions on social media, you get lots of response. Um, um, we just find on Twitter, we, you don't get as much uh, engagement as you do on LinkedIn. And the best way to get engagement on LinkedIn is by asking questions. But more importantly, it's taking a step back and saying, I have my LinkedIn profile. Who should I allow to link in with me? Now, I have my own little policies, and each one is different. But for me personally, I don't link into anyone unless I've met them personally. Okay. So if I've actually met them personally, then I link into them. Um, Yes, I'm sure there's maybe, you know, 4% or 3% of people that I haven't met personally, but I've maybe had a phone call with. But I try and limit my LinkedIn to me, and I have like over 2,500 contacts, which is not that many. 
but um, I, I know that when I ask questions, I've actually met these people. I think that they're 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 a, an important part of my um, my community. And when I ask questions, I get really great feedback. So that's one strategy. And many of the strategies I'm talking about today are things that we use at Jumpfire for our own business. Right. The sort of the the second question that a lot of people sort of ask me about is, you know, well, what should I be doing for my business? What should I be doing for social media for my business? And, you know, most people approach us around social media, but I would say that your number one thing to start off with if you're starting a business is email newsletters. Email newsletters are one of the most important things that you can cultivate. Um, It allows you to communicate with people regularly. People generally open them if you have really good content. Um, If you use something like MailChimp, um, for example, you get lots of data back um, about who's opening it. And at this point in the world, generally everyone uses email. There's a next generation coming up behind that don't use email at all. But but generally, you know, email is is the fax of the 21st century. Everyone had fax machines. Now everyone has email. So we start with email first. Yep. And then we look at... Oh, sorry. Not gone. So then we look at social media overall, and you want to build a little ecosystem. And for us at JumpWire, it's really twofold. We look at you being efficient and effective. What's the most efficient way for you to be effective? Now, if you can only choose one platform, and you're so you know you've got a, a small company of maybe five people or maybe under twenty people. How can you be most efficient? And we would say, you know, email first, then Facebook, and then LinkedIn. So you want to make sure that your company has a presence on Facebook because that's the public internet now. And as you saw in my presentation, really what I talk about is people, well, what about my website? Should I have a website? I'm like, no. You don't necessarily need a website. Unless you're selling something, I would say you don't necessarily need a website. We're actually debating inside JumpWire at the moment whether or not we should even have a website. The reason okay. is is that the entire, the, the people that you want to reach for the most part that are spending money for most businesses, this is not every business, but for most businesses, everyone's on Facebook. So you want to be on Facebook for sure. That can be your website. Right. That's you can buy a URL, jumpwiremedia.com. I can redirect it to a Facebook page. And in general, most people will be able to see that Facebook page because they have a Facebook account. If they don't, then that's a problem. Now, there's people that talk about, well, it's not the, the you know, it's limiting. It really depends on what your business is doing. I'm just telling you what we're working on from our standpoint because every okay. business is different. Yeah. So, and then you want to focus on having a LinkedIn page. And once you have a Facebook and a LinkedIn page, that's pretty much your social media. Now, it really depends on, because the reason is that Facebook, you know, 1.2 billion people, monthly active users, 790 daily active users. So, I mean, the reason why we go to Facebook is not because, you know, Facebook is great or anything like that. It is good, but everybody is on it, right, Right. for the most part. Everybody's on it, and out of all of the social networks. The other reason is is that what we're seeing right now is that 61% of the traffic that is hitting your website is non-human. So there's a recent yeah. report, you can, you can Google it, uh, in the Atlantic, yeah. around 61%. So that means that if you've got that many people coming to your Facebook, to your, your website. Uh, website that aren't really human, well, let's take a look at the social side. So how many people on Facebook and Instagram are not who they say they are? 
Well, it's only between 10 and 12%. Okay. So you can now see the reason why we recommend people start in social first and then build a website. Who are these people that, that go onto your website? I mean, if they're not people, what are they? So they're bots. Um, they're, it's all sorts of non-human traffic out there. They're web crawlers. They're, um, you know, they're, they're Google. They're, you know, they're people that are pinging your site all the time. Um, but they're not really, it, it's just machines. It's, you know, it's, we call it the semantic web, right? It's machines talking to machines. So they're pinging your website um, for whatever reason, trying to get information, trying to grab things, um, all that sort of stuff. You know, that, that's happening all the time. And it's being registered in your analytics. Okay. And there was a company that did a, a huge amount of research into this and found that, you know, on average, 61% of the traffic coming to you. So let's just be conservative and say 50%. So if you've got 1,000 people coming to your Facebook, uh, to your, I'm so sorry. Okay. If you've got 1,000 people coming to your um, website, eh, only 500 of them are, might be humans. Jeez. Okay. Um, you say that um, you only have on your uh, LinkedIn um, connections only people that you've met or know um, how, how can you use that to build a business if because how many people can you actually physically meet don't you in most businesses aren't you trying to get out to as wide an audience as possible um, or do you use Facebook for that and use LinkedIn for something different I mean it's really difficult because it depends on each business sure so you know, it really depends on the type of, you know, what are your objectives? Are you a company that is selling, you know, widgets? Um, so, for example, like, let's just use Jumpwire. Jumpwire, we are a B2B business. It means we are a business-to-business. -business. Um, we don't really deal with consumers, right. um, you know, directly like someone like uh, Virgin Mobile, maybe, would, or a radio station. We deal with um, B2B businesses. So, for me, that's why LinkedIn is really important because most of our, our referrals come from, two ways, right? One, I'm actually, I go speaking and people see me speak and are like, hey, I'd like to work with that company. Or there will come a referral through someone I know or a client we've worked with. So that's why, why LinkedIn is very important for us, as is Facebook to some degree. But we've done lots of testing around B2B business and we find that, you know, email newsletters and our podcast and our LinkedIn are probably the way that most people find out about what's happening at Jumpwire and maybe the way that convert for us. Right. If you're a B2C business, then you're going to want to, for example, if you're a media company um, and you're, uh, you know, you're going to consumers, you definitely want to be on Facebook because everybody's on Facebook that you want to reach out to and it's a great way for you to hyper-target and reach out to them and convert them. The other thing is, too, is to determine what you're selling. You know, what, you know, what is your ARPU? So what's your average revenue per user and, and how much, you know, how much is each user worth to you and how much are you willing to spend to acquire that user? And that, you know, most people say, well, that's more of a mobile thing. Well, why would you even bother? But I think that every business should be doing this. Because then once you start, you know, we track all of our data. When I go to a conference, I know how much the conference cost me. I know how many clients I got from that conference. And I know what the conversion rate to actual clients are from that conference. And therefore, I can make a distinction as to whether or not that conference was worthwhile for us to spend uh, right. to be there. And so the, the main, I guess, the thing around social media is that it allows you to track a lot of data. And, it, you know, the, the, this is, we're in a, 
you know, it's different businesses now. And this is another reason why many people are like, well, I don't need social media for marketing. I'm like, okay, let's put the marketing thing over here. Forget about marketing. Let's think about all the reasons why you would use social media. First of all, uh, for employee retention. So this is for any business out there. So for employee retention and new employees, if you don't have a good social media presence and you're a bigger company and you want to hire young millennials to come and work at your company, if you have, if your Twitter was last updated eight months ago, they're going to say, wow, these guys really are on top of it. Is this the sort of company I want to go into? Even at Jumpwire, there's some days we don't update our Facebook page or, you know, or, or Twitter. And I get really worried because, you know, we're constantly hiring people and we want to make, we're supposed to be a social media company. We got to be really good at this. So we got to keep on top of it. That's number one. But it, and it's good for retention too. It's a great way um, if people, if your brand is top of mind out there and people say, oh, you work for Jumpwire? You know, I get a lot of the people who work for me saying, oh yeah, people really like Jumpwire. It's really important for that. The other thing is data. When you're looking at data, you can constantly, so if you've got a Facebook page, you get something called Facebook Insights as a free part of your Facebook page, which is great. It's all the data. So okay. if you go out and spend spend $1,500 on Facebook, then you, you, you get 1,500 people who like your Facebook page. You're able to go and see like who those people are. So are they males, 25 to 35? Who are the people that like your page? Who are the people that keep coming back to your page? Where are they located? Um, you know, and lots of examples. For example, we did a, a, a music, we had a music client. And we were able to build up his Facebook page and show where his next tour should go by looking at his YouTube traffic and his Facebook traffic and where all the people were located that really loved his particular brand of music. And we could say, this is what your next wow. tour is going to be. He's, oh, that's wow. So that's data cool. is very important. But more importantly, if you are a company and say you're just in the United States, so, so for me um, at Jumpwire, I'm like, all these people are liking my page or signing up for my newsletter. Where are they from? And what I can see is all sorts of things. I can see, for example, on the newsletters, I can see what type of, um, do they mostly use a mobile phone or do they use the, um, you know, a browser? This is the sort of data that's available to me and I can make decisions based on that data for my business. And that's why it's important to have a social media presence. These are all the reasons that people don't think about. They just think about social media for marketing, and we just try to move that off. Okay. You also talk about um, how you can use um, social media for investors. How, how, do, how does that work? Well, from an investment standpoint, people are going to look at your company, and they want to see a vibrant company. And the only way it is to look outside of your company is by what you post on social media. So if investors go and check out your Facebook page and you, you know, you really haven't talked about yourself or you're not really talking about all of the new and great things you're doing or you're not engaging with your audience, investors might look at that as, as a way to say, well, you know, maybe these guys aren't quite ready or they don't really have as much growth as we hope. Now we've heard of lots of people who are hacking this. So, um, you know, on the black hat side of things, we've heard about lots of people who are going on Fiverr.com and right. buying a million Twitter fans, right? Um, and Or going on Fiverr.com and buying 100,000 Facebook likes. And right. trust me, we've been inside those companies and we have to try and fix it because, yeah, people will like the page, 
but any sophisticated investor will look at it and say, well, what's your engagement like? Like, how many people are coming back on a regular basis? So, from an investment standpoint, investors can use it like you know, um, uh, lots of other people would, and and, and say, well, is this a viable com- company? Is this something that's uh, that's interesting that we want to put our our money into? And that may be a big part of what you're trying to do for your business. Don't we hear? You know, people people like me hear all the time, um, when you're putting things up on Facebook or on social media generally, don't talk about you. Always talk about other things or things that are engaged people. Don't don't make it a sell. Um, mm. Are you saying something quite different? Are you saying that you should use I mean, if an investor is going to look at the site, um, while it might be good to look at things and, and what your interests are and how they dovetail with you know, your um, your supporters' interests, but you're not really selling much about yourself, are you, or your business? Or is that just a fallacy? Uh, it, it's a little bit of both. So for us, we believe in high-frequency posting, and it sort of takes us to the next part of our discussion, which is like, how much should you post on your social media if you decide to have social media? So for us, you know, many of our clients, because they're media clients, are posting upwards of 50 to 80 times a day on their Facebook pages. Right. And people are immediately shocked by that. Like, wow, what would you possibly do? How could you possibly do that? We think, you know, you should be posting 10 or 12 times a day um, if you can, um, depending on how you're using Facebook to what, what you want to reach. On LinkedIn, we generally do, you know, a couple in the morning, a couple in the afternoon. We'll help you out as well, too. But high-frequency posting so that everything's not going to be about yourself. If you only put up one post a day and it's always about your company and you're using it as a way to push out PR, um, okay, that's, probably no one's going to see it. But, you know, if people go to your Facebook page, they'll see a bunch of stuff about you. But, no, you, you really want to show that you're an expert in the field that you are. So if you have a business that's in dry cleaning, people say, well, why do I need a dry cleaning page? Because I... You know, most people use dry cleaning. Sure. And if I was looking, if I liked my dry cleaner's page, what would I expect to see from that? Obviously, I would expect to see that they're an expert in dry cleaning. So right. I'm like, if they're putting up things around how to, you know, how, how to make, you know, how often should you dry clean your shirts? Well, that's something I would love to know. Like, how often should, how often is too much? You know, uh, or related to dry cleaning around chemicals or related to um, uh, clothing. Like, maybe they do a whole theme on on uh, fabrics. It's okay. about keeping your brand top of mind. And so, yes, back to your question, which is like, should I, you know, talk about myself? Or To a certain extent, you want to be able, you want to be able to talk to yourself Sorry, not talk to yourself. Talk about yourself on your Facebook page, but you don't want to be doing it in the ways like, hey, come and buy from me. That's what I talk about social media marketing. It's like, hey, 20% off. Here you go. Or here's like, come and do that. People don't like to be sold in their Facebook feeds. It's where you usually have your family and your friends. And you wouldn't want, and we look at it like your home. You wouldn't want someone walking into your home and saying, hey, here's 20% off in your home, right? Right. So you want to sort of gently use um, social media to move people to a place where they expect to be sold to. And this is in email newsletters or on the internet. People expect to get sales pitches there. But on social media, we find that right now it's moved towards community and we, you know, people prefer not to be, I mean, the number one complaint for Facebook right now is too much advertising. Too much right. Advertising. So, you know, that's, that's how we look at it. What about, you also mentioned um, press, media. Ha- ha- how do you use social media to develop 
relations in other forms of media? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, there, you can on Twitter, for example. Twitter's a really great way to engage with journalists because Twitter probably did the best job out of any of these platforms in um, having a really strong strategy around the media when they started off. So every journalist is on Twitter, and what you can do is you can just go at, like say I was a journalist, at Gavin McGarry, which happens to be my Twitter. You can say, at Gavin McGarry... Um, hey, we just got a new launch this week about some new packages that we're putting out for social media. You should check them out. Here's the link. So that will directly appear to my feed. That's the way you can reach out to journalists quickly and efficiently on Twitter, or you can uh, direct message them, DM them. Um, so there, that's how we use Twitter. If we need something to get out, we, we you know, we'll, we'll push something. We'll actually use it as a way to connect, much like we would do an email. The thing is with email right now is that you know journalists get thousands of them a day, or you know, two or three hundred. So it's really about differentiating yourself. You know, learning about the journalists. If you find out that they're heavy on Instagram, you might use Instagram to to contact them. But quite frankly, I mean, journalists are are great, but you know, we all know what's happening with sort of print and other things is that you know, it's it's not getting that much traction. Not not, not, right. not as much as not as much as a hyper-targeted Facebook ad campaign might get you for $2,000, for example. Okay. So I'm, I'm running a small business. What platform should I focus on? You know, there's, there's a dozen probably that are, mm-hmm. that are most popular. Which are the ones that I should focus on and, and how should I use each of them differently? Hmm. Well, it really depends on how you want to approach what your objectives are. So what are your objectives? Okay, if, I, if I'm trying, let's say I'm trying to, um, I'm actually trying to sell somebody something. I've, I've got a product and I want to sell it. You're saying that right. I should use Facebook to get awareness and then use um, uh, newsletters and to get, um, to get sales. Yeah, I mean, we would use, um, yeah, and, and that's a really good way. If, you're, if your product is a consumer product and you want to reach out, then yeah, you would use Facebook first, but not Facebook only, and then you would get them to sign up to a newsletter and you would say, listen, is there an opportunity for us to, uh, you know, we've got a sale on or here's a coupon or um, is there a way to connect with you in a better way and send them really great content. And it really comes down to the type of content being creative with the content that you're sending out to people. If you're selling some sort of widget, instead of just saying, hey, buy this widget, it's coming up with a creative campaign that is going to allow people to say, hey, well, this is this is a widget that I absolutely want and I want to tell my friends about it. We actually haven't talked a lot about word of mouth, which is still huge. You know, people learn about things and then they try it and then they tell their friends about it through word of mouth, through parties, and that's really important as well, too. So there's lots of different, you know, levers that are uh, available to, to businesses. And social media seems to be a hot one right now that people want, you know, want to spend a lot of time talking about. But I would, I think we started off this discussion with you asking me about how important is social media to your business. And again, it really depends on your business, but it is 
you know, a lot of it is becoming pay to play. Like you, you, you know, on Facebook, you, in order to get likes, you've, you've got to buy those likes. Very few people will find you, um, you know, on, on Facebook, unless you actually do some advertising. Um, and that's where you can combine that with word of mouth, where you can talk to people and say, Hey, listen, like our Facebook page, or we've even had people on the streets with some of our campaign where, you know, they, they, they're, they're just going up to people and say, Hey, have you got your mobile phone? Oh yeah. I'll like our, uh, our Facebook page, not ours, but our clients, for example. Right. So the, the the main thing is, you know, focusing on Facebook, making sure you have a good email, and then for yourself personally, looking at LinkedIn. If you can only do like two or three things, that's, that's what I would focus on. Now, I, you know, I've been one of those people that for 20 years I've been saying that traditional media doesn't work, um, but, well, it no longer works if it ever did, um, and... There's no question that social media allows you to get one-on-one and personal with your clients and potential clients, and therefore, on that basis, it's more effective. But I guess my my dilemma is, if I if I stick an ad in the LA Times, I've got the chance of hitting, I don't know, half a million people or whatever their readership is now. Um, yet on social media, how do I? expand my universe of, of people that um, I can reach? I mean, how do I... Well, aren't I going to need 20 million Facebook fans? Well, again, it really comes down to your objectives and the product that you have, right? If you have a product that, you know, everybody wants and everybody needs, then the sky's the limit for you. There's 1.2 billion people a month, you know, that you can do all sorts of great things. But how do you reach um, them? I, so... There's Facebook has probably one of the best advertising systems. It allows for what's called hyper-targeted advertising. So what I can do is that I can, here in Los Angeles, I can say, you know what, and I've done this for JumpWire. Let's just use JumpWire, for example. I only want to target people who are 35-plus who are a senior vice president at a media company in Los Angeles that have that are in either you know newspapers, uh, television, uh, media, or radio, right. right? And I only want them, you know, I and and the interest that I want is they have to have you know bought something uh, from Facebook in the last you know year, so that I know that they're active on Facebook, um, and I can hyper target that ad to those people. So this at only people who have who meet that criteria are going to see this ad. And therefore, I don't have to worry about, because traditional media, the big issue is that you're using sort of a shotgun effect, yeah, right? You're absolutely. putting it in the LA Times, and there's all sorts of people that are seeing your ad and it's not relevant. So right. we've moved from non-relevant mass distribution to hyper-relevant um, targeted distribution of advertising. And it is, and we do this every week, I have to say, extremely effective. Like if you really want to, we, we play a game at Jumpwire when it's someone's uh, birthday, we try and, because we know so much about that person, we are able to target it and we try and target it to, you know, their location, their age that they're going to be on the day, the interests, like what sort of books they like, what sort of music they like, and try and get the ad to show up just for that person. That's how hyper-targeted it can become. Wow. So... um if you if you're a small business, I know this is re- this is a really sweeping general question. But if you're a small business and you've got twenty employees and you sell widgets, what sort of budget should you set for an effective um, social media campaign? Uh, that's a great a great question. We believe that you you know 
don't do campaigns. You need it to have, it's got to be like a garden. Rather okay. than just planting a garden for six weeks, you need to have constant maintenance. And, and, and at JumpWire, we have seen this. We've actually had to change our business, specifically in the social media space, for this reason. Is that people now, it's basically 1997 all over again, when everyone decided, wow, I need a website, yep. and they had to get an agency to do that website. Everyone is now realizing, holy cow, I really need to have a good social media strategy, and it's not something I can do for six weeks. It's got to be ongoing. So, you know, I would probably say you want to set aside between, you know, I would use the, the same metrics that most people do, you know, between 4 and 8% of your overall revenue should be going to marketing. Right? Yes. Um, yes. And a, a percentage of that, you know, we would probably say between fifteen hundred and maybe thirty five hundred a month um, should be used for a social media, you know, to to engage with social media. Between eighteen thousand and maybe thirty thousand, let's just say um, that you're you're using to engage with uh, your social media, and that should be for all your maintenance, everything, like to take care of all your posting, um, everything. That that should that you should outsource that to an agency to take care of it, and they should be delivering you data. Once a week for 30 minutes, they should be saying, hey, this is what's really working and this is the content that we're putting up that's really works and they should be doing an audit for you. They should have a strong strategy for you. They should have objectives um, and KPIs that are all put together as well too so that you can hit those targets um, and you should be assessing it on, on you know a weekly and monthly basis. But this should all be outsourced. You can have an intern do it. We've had many companies who said, oh, yeah, we've just got the interns doing it. We find that generally we get brought in about three months later because the interns, they're really good at doing Facebook for themselves, but not necessarily for the company. And we believe that social media is one of the most important parts of your company. Uh, and therefore, you shouldn't just you know hand it over to your interns. You certainly wouldn't hand over your sales to interns, you would, you know, the engine of your company. And social can be a big part of that. It can really build awareness for your brand it can keep your brand top of mind, not only with your clients, but potential customers, and it can reinforce that your brand is, is a leading-edge brand. Okay, we're just about out of time, but what are some resources that can help business owners manage all their social media? Um, I, would, I would think that you would want to, we believe in what's called native posting, so we believe that you should be posting directly to Facebook and not using um, an API, but there are a couple if you need them. Uh, one is, you know, uh, Hootsuite, uh, which right. is uh, used mostly for Twitter. Most people have heard of that. Yes. Um, the other really, really good one is Buffer. Uh, Buffer does all your scheduling of all your, your Facebook, but you won't see the organic reach um, because it's going through an API, and anyone who knows what an API is will know that once you're a third party to Facebook, Facebook wants you to to post directly to Facebook. Twitter wants you to post directly to, to Twitter. You know, they all do. So when you go through a third party, you don't get all the bells and whistles that you would get on Facebook. So I would say those are two resources. And then if you want to follow what's really happening in social media, I would look at Mashable.com. Mashable is probably one of the leaders in social. It's a great way to uh, know what's coming up next and, and what's important. Um, and they have a good overview. So those are some resources that I would throw out there initially. And I MailChimp for... for um, of course. MailChimp's uh, fabulous. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Gavin, yeah, thanks. We, we're not, I'm not endorsing them or anything. I'm just saying we use it and we love it. Yeah, we do. We do too. Gavin, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you'd like to know more about Jumpwire, Gavin, Jennifer Harkness, who I've dealt with, and she is 
great and the rest of their fantastic team go to jumpwire that's j-u-m-p-w-i-r-e dot com and if you've got a business oh no 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 stop stop it's it's jumpwire media all one word oh jumpwiremedia.com okay sorry jumpwiremedia.com now if you've got a business that's looking for i know I, I do a lot of speaking as well, and most people at companies that I go to say, um, you know, our people really need to understand about social media. And uh, if you know somebody that can explain social media, well, if you if you're a good bus- business and you're looking for a great speaker that can make this really very clear on how you plan it, explain it, how you plan it, and how to use it, Gavin is fantastic and if um, you want to get in touch with him um, go to jumpwiremedia.com or contact me directly and I'll put you through to him this is Bob Pritchard and I'll be back with you after this short break from the boardroom to you Voice America Business Network You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. Over the past few weeks, we've been discussing how to raise investment if you're an entrepreneur, the importance of the elevator pitch, and other related topics can help you to raise those critical funds. I was sent an investment deck the other day and had about 30 slides in it. And of course, an investor will only look at about 10. So here is my guide to the 10 slides for a perfect startup pitch deck. Remember, you've only got a very short amount of time for this pitch. So practice it until it's perfect and stay focused. Your deck should not be more than about 10 PowerPoints. Very difficult to do. So your first slide is your elevator pitch. Now, the elevator pitch stems from the idea that you should be able to deliver a short summary of your project within the time it takes for an elevator ride for about 30 seconds. It's pretty challenging. Experienced investors will weed out good ideas from the bad ones within the first minute, so you've got to keep it very simple and captivating if you want them to go to slide two. Now, slide two is about the problem. Now, too many startups create products that aren't really solving any true problem. They're just filling a need that can make them a fast buck. So look at um, Daily Deals, Groupon for an example. The demand rapidly dissipated once the market reached... um, maturity. The problem is your most important asset, so an imperative to make the investor feel that pain point. Keep it punchy, keep it visual, and always keep in mind the point of view of the end user. Don't overload the investor with information. Keep it really simple and make sure they feel how big this problem is and how no one is currently addressing it in an effective manner. Slide number three is your solution. How is your product going to improve the world by fixing this problem? I wouldn't recommend using the traditional matrix chart with you in the top right-hand corner because investors see this in every pitch deck. 
But instead, a simple comparison chart where you compare your product's characteristics with those of your competition is very effective. And re- but remember, I have a lot of people saying we have no competition, but your competitors don't have to have the same approach to the problem as you, but they might still solve the problem, even if they do it in a totally different way. So you've got to be careful of that. Slide number seven is your go-to market strategy, your marketing plan. What have you done so far to capture users and how will this evolve over time? What's your model for growth? Is it sticky? Is it viral? Is it paid? If it's paid, how much does it cost you to get a new user? You've got to provide details. If it's sticky, what's going to be your churn and retention rate and how will that evolve? If it's viral... What are your KPIs, your viral coefficient? Be specific. What marketing channels will you use? Again, be specific. What results do you expect to get per channel? How will you apply this model when you enter into new markets? Having a poor acquisition model is where many startups fail. So you've got to know your market strategy inside and out and express it clearly and in as few words as possible. Slide number eight is your team. An idea isn't worth anything without execution. So what relevant experience and skill sets does your team bring to the table? If your team's a virgin and doesn't have much experience in the sector, then you have to bring in people onto the board or onto an advisory board that do have that experience. Don't shy away from this topic because industrial experience will come up and could bite you in the ass. Slide number nine, traction and projections. What have you achieved so far? Are you generating revenue, user growth, any top clients or partnerships that you can boast about? got any relevant KPIs. At a very minimum, you've got to have a survey of consumers or businesses indicating possible uptake of your project. And your final slide is your needs. What do you need to be able to realise your product's potential? What do you need that you don't currently have and why? So define exactly what you're looking for, exactly how much you need and how that's going to be distributed. Don't be ambiguous because Investors always look at the money. Secondly, ensure that you have spelt out a reasoned exit strategy and not just simply stated trade, sale or IPO. Now, you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show Worldwide and Voice America Business. We're here to assist you to become successful. So email me, bob at bobpritchard.com. Don't forget to get onto my website bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter and uh, we also send out a summary of each week's radio show we've been doing that for five or six weeks and it's been greatly successful we're avid users of linkedin so become a contact in linkedin or also of course facebook or twitter because we would love to keep in touch with you Um, thank you for joining us for today's show and we look forward to you joining us again next week I've just been appointed the Honorary President of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, which is the premier body for anyone who really wants to get ahead. And next week, I'll tell you a little bit about the organization. And I'm hoping that you may decide to join when you see what great benefits it can give you. In the meanwhile, remember that if you're not really pushing the envelope, you're taking up too much space. Get out of the road. It's easier 
and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to your company again on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Voice America Business, this time next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.